Hey everyone, you're listening to the Queens of Hustle podcast. In this podcast, me and my guests will be exploring fitness, culture, business, media, and everything in between. My name is Kiana and I am your host. I'm a professional pole dancer, fitness trainer, and social media manager with a background in journalism and a degree in communications. I am extremely passionate about personal development and talking to other queens about their dreams, hustle, mindset, motivation, and success, as well as valuable lessons they have learned throughout their experiences. Here is a space where we can have healthy and expansive conversations that can help you in the next step of your journey. Let's get started. My first guest is a very inspirational human being who I've had the pleasure to train for about eight months now. She goes by Open Hearts Can Unite on Instagram, Rihanna Watson. Rihanna was born and raised in Tasmania, Australia. She has a very athletic background. She used to compete as a swimmer for the state of Tasmania. She was also a national water polo player as well as an international runner. Today, she is a soulful mover, a personal trainer, a yogi, and a health and well-being consultant based in Switzerland. In this episode, we chat about her mental health journey, her relationship with movement, as well as her massive social media presence, and much more. Just a quick disclaimer that the audio on my end won't sound as crisp and clear as you are hearing it right now because unfortunately, the recording captured my computer audio rather than the audio from my new mic. Ugh, it's so annoying, but this is all very new to me, so I'm learning and growing from my mistakes and I will do better. Without further ado, enjoy the interview. Hello, Rihanna. Thank you so much for taking the time to be a guest on my show. Welcome to the Queens of Hustle. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here. And it's an honor to have you here. And Rihanna and I, we just finished doing um, an hour poll sesh. So we're feeling really good right now. We have the endorphins that have just been released in our brains and we're on that post poll high. So Rihanna, I- I've had the pleasure of getting to know you over the past year and we've been training together for over eight months now on Zoom. And I found you, I find you extremely inspirational and you have such an amazing story. Um, I've already told the audience a little bit about you, but for um, anyone that doesn't know you, can you give us a snapshot of who you are? So who is Rihanna Watson? Great question and um, always one that I think every human, well, I don't know how to answer. Um, I, I would just state that clearly I'm just a regular girl and um, was a person that came on social media to heal, but also to share her journey and find like-minded souls. In turn, that became um, a possibility for a growth of yoga and then becoming a yoga teacher, which I am now, and an author and movement coach. Um, so but at the end of the day i think you'll be seeing me as one of those people you'll walk in the street and you won't even notice just a regular girl is always the thing i go back to i love that so so modest so humble absolutely love that and to start off the podcast i'll be asking all of my guests the same question what sets your soul on fire that's a great question um so many so many things set it on fire but i think the one thing that um sets me on fire is is music um it's something that allows me to move it allows me to push emotion through me it allows me to 
breathe. Uh, and I think it was the first step in my ability to start healing from my traumas. Okay. And I know that um, you are very open about the traumas um, and on, on social media and just in life. Um, would you mind opening up about your, your journey in your mental health just to anyone that doesn't really know your story? Sure. Um, I, I guess it stems back from, I guess I'm a very sensitive person. So I think that I've always um, felt the world probably a lot deeper than most can comprehend for every communication, reaction, text message. I'm often wondering what I could do better or what I've done wrong, or did I impact people in a powerful way? Um, not one transaction goes through without a second thought for me. And that's um, because I'm very empathetic and very sensitive, which has, I guess, created a lot of anxiety in me as a human. Mm -hmm. um, and and also therefore the tendency to lean towards um, working very hard perfectionism and in turn uh, d depression which came later in life and I think in regards to traumas my first real trauma was uh, rape in my mid-20s when I was on holiday with my parents um, which led to um, separation of a long-term relationship that I'd had since 18 so that was or 17 that was quite um, a huge transition um, and I had um, experienced from that rape numbing where I didn't feel for two years, um, which means that I can't remember a lot of my experiences, even when my partner sometimes talks about when he first met me and we worked on a cruise ship, there's things that I can't remember mm. uh, because I wasn't able to sink it in through, you know, hearing memory, smelling, seeing, touching memory, because it was all just I guess the best word is Groundhog Day. Um, and then from there, I had a miscarriage. And miscarriage, often they say one in four women have that, but it's not something that's talked about or understood by anyone but the person that experiences it. And what made it sincerely hard for me was that I was told by doctors exactly after the um, Curex, I'm not sure how to say it exactly anymore in English, um, but taking out the child, um, that I wouldn't have children. So that kind of led me into uh, a very depressed state of being. Um, mm. And then I um, ended up actually falling pregnant, but um, with the hormones and the confusion and the state of being, I kind of went from post to prenatal depression, which led to an attempt on my life um, after that, after about my daughter was about two. And that was when I really had to um, breathe. Yeah. And I know everybody says breathe, but um, we don't breathe. We do a monotonous task that we take for granted every day. And it was, it's really the, the whole essence of healing and being and, and um, remembering, I guess. Mm. And I, I know that that's a very sensitive subject. So thank you so much for opening up about that. What is it that brought you out of this this time in your life, this rough, rough patch of your life? Um, did you do anything to help improve your mental health or was it, was it really getting into movement and yoga? Uh, what was it for you? I think, you know, with the story, there was also experiences of abuse um, that also incurred within that story. And, and why I mention that now is because it was, 
these dark moments like this that made me question my essence of whom I was and what I was, I think is the greatest thing to say, that led me to realise that whom I was was within me and what I was was within me. But what I was trying to find was everything outside of me. And mm. what I was hearing was all the noise outside of me. And so it was the ability to feel again that came from outside to inside to like a mind muscle connection. So right. two years of being numb and I remember standing in a field in Austria and this light was coming down and this hot thing was on my skin and I'm like, looking up kind of wondering what that was mm -hmm. sounds so silly and then I realized I hadn't felt the sun for two years wow. and it was that external gift that wasn't the noise it was the external sensations that allowed me to internally recognize again things that brought me joy mm. Okay. And what advice would you have to people that are struggling with mental health at the moment? I, th I think it's, um, it's very hard because everybody's mental health is different. And one of the things that I respond well to is sensuality, not in the context of how we place it in sexuality, but the context of how you um, taste your cup of coffee or tea how yes. you feel the sunshine, how you feel the wind, how you, if you're doing a movement, how you feel all the muscles connect or you place your hand on your heart and your heartbeat is, is beating um, or your hand on a loved one and you feel their skin or smell them. If you have a child, a baby's head, like a baby's head to me, my daughter's head still allows mm. me to breathe exceptionally well. So I believe meditation is very powerful and I believe breath work is very powerful, but I would like to give um, an ability to understand that if you're not ready to close your eyes and sit with the stories in your head, breath work and can bring anxiety and meditation can do the same. So sometimes these are all powerful tools, but they take time and they need to be done with care and respect to your being. So for me, a lighter way where I didn't get lost in my stories, which is very often the case, was to delve into something that brought me right into the moment, like your favorite piece of chocolate or, or movement or music where you can't help but not think. You're just like your body just gets encapsulated in that experience. Yes. Oh, I love that. And that's it's just so important just to like appreciate the little things, right? Yeah. Like that cup of coffee in the morning or yeah. when your favorite song comes on, just enjoy it, you know, just completely just dive into that moment. Um, that's beautiful. And I want to talk about your fitness journey. So as your pole trainer, uh, I could obviously, you know, see that you have this unbelievable amount of strength and flexibility. Um, so I want to know like how it all started. Like, were you always active as a child or when did you finally start to, um, to, to realize, okay, I want to do this for a living? Well, my mom said I, my brother felt, my brother was quite clumsy and he fell over me at nine months and I stood up and stepped <laughs> my feet and walked away. So that was like <laughs> the beginning of my movement practice. So from a very young age, I was uh, 
very much inclined not to say anything and away I go. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I, I guess I grew up with um, my dad w- was very active. I, my only time with him was playing tennis, chasing after him at 6am on a push bike, doing seven kilometers and swimming and anything that was movement. That was my time with my dad. So that lended, I guess, to a habit of movement. Right. And then I became a swimmer um, and I did that for a state, Tasmania, and then I became um, a national water polo player um, for a period of time and then I became an international runner, um, distance running. So I was going to go on to be Ironman, but I I got to the age of about 18 and I had not really done anything that children had done because I'm very much, you know, focused person. And that wasn't that I had missed out, but I was tired mm. and I had to work. I had to survive. And to be a, a professional sports person generally it lends to you either having financial support somewhere or you can support yourself, which I didn't have. So I then went into doing movement for myself and I was an Australian football league umpire in the boundary and um, did just my own self running and movement. And then probably after my daughter was born, when I started to pick up um, yoga. Yes. And and what did yoga do for you that was different than all of your previous sports and hobbies? <laughs> yoga um, was very hard, actually, transitioning to it because mm. it's so static at first, all the traditional form is. Um, and if you're a busy bee mind, <laughs> standing there holding a position can you imagine all of the little talk bubbles above someone's head and all the conversations that's going on? I, I'm hungry. I need to eat. I, I don't want to be here. I've got to do this. You know, what is this move? It's so painful. Oh my gosh. You know, these. <laughs> so that was super, super hard. And so what it allowed me to do um, was firstly, of course, build flexibility, build strength in a space where I could stay and care for my daughter. I couldn't go out running and all of that anymore because I was the main the only person that could look after her um, and I didn't have really any help and so that was the first thing why I took it up and then I wanted to kind of learn flexibility being a runner you know you're a little bit less flexible than the yes. average <laughs> um, and but the deeper point was that eventually I really realized that it wasn't what social media was showing me or wasn't what the gymnastic version of it it was actually about um, healing and breathing. And um, I think for me, uh, um, finding one's voice and and remembering you can stand up no matter the adversity. Yes. Yeah. Yoga has just so many benefits to it. It's so mental. It's spiritual. And of course, very, very physical. So it just ticks all the boxes. And yes, I feel the same way about yoga. I absolutely love it. And I don't think I could ever um, just go through life without stretching or doing my breath work ever again. I just think that it's like super ingrained now into me and my lifestyle. So I totally get what you mean by that. Um, And what made you wanna uh, try pole? Because that only happened several years later. Yeah, um, I I think just as disclaimer for anyone who, who also just with yoga, I just want you to know that everyone's already doing it with your breath. Um, Mm -hmm. If we're breathing, Mm -hmm. we're already doing it. So please, um, for anyone that's feeling like I'm not flexible enough, the whole point of yoga is to breathe consciously. So if we could just 
you can't express that in a um in a post on social media but like if if people could understand that that the essence of just having one great solid breath a day you're already practicing yoga and getting the benefits um and yoga has a movement practice that then comes into it and the movement practice of yoga i found it was fantastic but what i found was there was a need to understand things like how my body moved in space off the linear line and yoga is quite linear and um quite controlled so for example your your leg your leg is in a ball and socket joint like your shoulder and so you mm -hmm. know circular motion but mm -hmm. yoga tends to use it like a cross so you've got part of your joints that, that aren't used and eventually you know they say that like um a lot of physios see yoga instructors coming in with hip replacement and wow. so, um, and, and I think I can't remember, like one in four yoga instructors ended up with a hip replacement. They were saying at one point. That's insane. So, yeah. I just want to mention disclaimer because the, the world has a lot of black and white. And so when one person says, oh, that hurts me, then they think it's bad for everybody. Like running is good for some people and running is not good for others. Um, twisted group on the pole is good for some and not for others. Absolutely. And yoga is also fantastic for some and not for others. So for me, my body started to get a lot of aches and I was, I'm someone that wants to move until they're 120, you know, she, mm. she wants to be active. She wants to get out of bed with, of course, there's going to be aches and pains as we age, but not with, you know, the ability to be so limited that I can't do my everyday life with more grace than pain. So I started investigating things like um, pole and contortion to build things like body awareness in movement um, to build the ability, I believe in cross training, uh, because I think that if we overuse a joint on the same thing over and over again, there's a lot of injuries. So swimmers, you look at their shoulders, cricketers, you look at their shoulders, footballers, you look at hamstring injuries and hip injuries. And so yoga is uh, highly in the shoulder and um, hip injury. And if you talk to most people, you'll find that they have quite a lot of irritation. So I thought the best way to do it was to build a body that understands movement in many different planes and mm. whether in space or on the ground. And so that's where it kind of led me towards pole. Oh, I love that. Yes. And I, I feel like it's so important when it comes to training and fitness that we don't just stay in one box, try different things. So I also know that you are all about that hands-on training uh, yes. and I I love inversions I'm not as advanced as you you're insane um, so Rihanna can pretty much press up into a handstand and then hold it for what forever try. <laughs> you, can, you can hold it until next Christmas like it's unbelievable yeah, that's you're, you're, yes your stability is just like unparalleled so um, I love how you're always just like navigating different ways of, of moving your body and building strength and building flexibility. So that's, that's awesome. And it's a great, it's a great passion to have. So um, when you, uh, when you started pole, did you find any similarities between uh, pole and yoga? What I found was pole and yoga is more a mental thing. So I talk about in my book, Fitness from the Inside and when I was younger, and I think most of us, we we, we think about like I, I, today, it'll probably be like more like six packs and booties for a lot of kids because that's once on the gram or social media. Mm. But when I was a kid, I was like, I want to be faster than the guys. So I was thinking about times and, and personal bests. And 
I want to throw further in my water polo um, and those types of things or do more push-ups or something. Um, so I was very um, tracked on number focused for my sport, I guess you could say. And so my my self-worth kind of decreased when I wasn't doing that kind of um, number that I wanted. And now I've realized that like, you know, like I've, I've um, been hit in the last year with a really heavy asthma. So my running is not what I used to be, you know, three minute 30 K pace. And I can honestly say it's, it's definitely a huge knock to the ego and it's, um, it's um, beating, it's beating me a lot. Um, it's hard to run, but I'm grateful I can run. I'm realizing that that's more important than you, you know, being the best runner. Um, and I'm getting that, uh, ability to remember what running was for me, which was um, it takes me out of my headspace. And that's mm. what fitness from the inside is. It takes me into my body. So I believe that our mind area is our pain body. And inside our body, where you, you know, take off from the head down is, is the pleasure zone, which we mean often we think of sexuality, but I mean pleasure as in like inner child comes out like, woohoo, I'm running in the rain. It's so cool, you know, yeah. like woohoo, more chocolate than I meant to have. This is so delicious, you know, instead of like <laughs> oh, that kind of joy again that we forget as adults. And so it's really beautiful to be back inside my body with that woohoo, you know, moment of pleasure, which the fitness industry doesn't associate it with. And what's your favorite part about pole in particular? I love, um, I love the coordination part because I kind of um, have two left feet. So it's always <laughs> so exciting when I'm graceful and feel a bit like a gazelle. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, the coordination is very, it's a challenge, but once you start to understand it and you start feeling the flow, oh, it's such a beautiful thing, isn't it? It's, it's so elegant and it and it's so feminine or masculine in strength like you can embody either or and I love that it's so balanced in that embodiment like from going up into inversion like oh I'm so strong to to gracefully coming down into you know a side hold or something like it doesn't matter if you're male or female like both essence of it is so well encapsulated that's just so beautiful it reminds me of ballet like the strength of oh, a male absolutely. ballerina and the elegance of a female dancer, but both of them have strength and both of them have elegance. And that's why we call them polarinas. Polarinas, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm gonna switch gears now and talk about social media because as sure. you and I have spoken about social media so much, since we're both um, people that use it for our jobs mm -hmm. and for you know either getting clients or making sales for, for, for many reasons. Um, I wanted to talk about your social media presence. So you have over 180,000 followers. So you clearly have um, this, or you, you're clearly creating content that gives value to so, so, so many people. Um, and why do you think that is? I think because I confuse people. Um, <laughs> I, th I think, I think because yeah, I think I really think there's a conundrum of confusion between like seeing me as a body and then reading my story and it allows people to remember that we're all deeper than the visuals. Um, and that is, I think, why people get curious. And I think curiosity is more my placement on social media as opposed to um, a celebrity which so many people assume by our number like I like I said I can fly from Europe to 
Australia and no one recognized me. You know, yeah. I'm just a regular human, um, a regular gal, but I think the ability to be a regular human and share it is a completely different story because most people are masked. You have been open about how there are many pros of social media, but there's also many cons. So mm -hmm. what would you say is the best part of social media and what is the worst? I think the best part is like building connections like we have, like, um, like I feel like I've known you forever and the friendship and the training is, is so important for my mental health, like finding mm. people that I would never be able to find in my city. You know, you, you we would not ordinarily meet in no. this world probably. And I'm so grateful for that. And it reminds me like there's a place for me in the world and there's yes. cool people that, that get me enough to say, you know, you're not too bad and I resonate <laughs> with you. So I really like find that incredibly um, empowering and um, beautiful in its gift for mental health to remember your self-worth. Because when you're in a dark space and you're on your own, in your community, in your city, and you don't have someone 24 seven, you do on social media. What about the, the, the cons? The cons is that we only see one story. So um, pole dancers, people like myself that um, show the human body um, naked or closed, the automatic perception is whatever your culture or family taught you. So there's a lot of perception for yoga porn. Um, there is also misappropriation where people take people's videos and place them on porn sites. And then even though that person has never even entered that world, people take that one story of that one thing that they've seen and then it is shame on shame or mm. um, it is an ability to create stories in our head that don't exist in another person's world, but we make it exist in their world in a very hurtful manner. So, I remember watching a story of a lady who came out of a cult and someone said, oh, you were brainwashed. And she said, no, what happens is if you look at it this way, we all had a story and we all held this story to truth. Right. Therefore, if we thought we would move on for it, we feel like our life ended. But later on, I got kicked out of that cult and I realized I was relieved because I could finally live what my truth was but we all get encapsulated in these stories and that's what social media does, whether it's positive or negative. And so it's not social media. It's not a person that's an issue. It's the stories we create. And those stories can be so debilitating. And on social media, you and I um, are, are people that, that do post things that can be a little bit revealing. Let's mm -hmm. just put it that way. Yes. Because, we, because my uniform generally consists of a sports bra and short shorts, right? Yep. Same as you. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, sometimes you even do pose in the nude in the most beautiful way. So can, I wanna just um, elaborate on, on the, the concept of nudity and, and your experience of sharing your body through nudity on social media. Honestly, that's been probably the toughest thing and very confusing. My upbringing is my father walked around the house naked um, with showers and I would hide my friends in the room, you know, because um, <laughs> that was just the way it was. And we would go to the beach and we'd just wrap a towel around us and we'd get changed. And, and that was just my upbringing. And of course, as your kid, you're kind of a bit awkward about it. But then as I got older and I think for, 
for me, I had a child and when you have a child, there is no dignity left. You know, everything is out there and you've got to recover and your body becomes a vessel for life. Mm. And, you know, my, my breasts are for feeding my child. It wasn't about sexuality anymore. When you're a teenager, of course, put your boobs up and go out and pick up, you know, like, sure, you know, that's in there, but it becomes a completely different message. And my daughter actually, she often just happy to walk around naked. She feels comfortable and she's, you know, laughing at bums and boobs and bits and bobs. And, and that's all she's got is joy, you know, and curiosity, but she has no shame and she has no um, misappropriation because she's not taught that yet. Of course, the world will educate her and she will have to learn what she's comfortable in. But what was interesting was I was getting this one message at home of my daughter, like completely loving me. And then people saying, you're a terrible mother. You're a porn star. You're a XXX. And I was so conflicted. But my truth at home was I was just a great mum, And I wasn't, I wasn't a naked mum or a clothed mum. I was just a mum, you know, and there was days when she'd wake up and I, I didn't put my PJs on and she'd say, I love you naked best mum. You're beautiful oh that's so you know, sweet and so it was like hearing a message like that and then the other story of the other people and it was like well my truth sits at home and so having a child really made me see it but sharing that message is still no easier because we all have self-worth days and we we all have days when we don't believe in ourselves and the problem is that with social media it's 24 7 it doesn't stop it's very very hard um and some days it's harder than others to remember that beautiful message that your daughter gives you with a cuddle over the loud messages when a negative is five times stronger than a positive yes i i totally get that because of course when you when you're being so vulnerable in in the things that you share and then you get negative comments. You're just like, I can't believe that. Like I just opened up to, you know, the world yeah, <laughs> on yeah. my social media page. And then after someone took the time to actually put you down, but yeah. it's so important to, to just focus on all the positivity and the love that we do receive as well. You know what it's I mean? Really... Like, we're not going to give those people that, that are trying to put us down. We're not going to give them the time of day, right? You just need to just yeah. keep moving forward. So thank you for sharing that. Next, I want to just talk about your book. So you wrote a book recently called Brave, Beautiful, and Bearing It All. Um, and this, in this book, you share the art of being vulnerable. So can you tell us a little bit more about your book and how you came up with the idea of writing it? Yeah, so the, the online world was actually my journal. Um, I never was very good at writing in journals. I would get one every year and be like, yeah, I'm going to fill it out. But that never happened. And um, you, I just started writing and sharing it for some reason, I think, when I was going through some really dark stages because it built me connection um, that I needed. And through that ability to build that connection and people starting to resonate, whether it was with um, the visual or the, the wording, which um, came comes hand in hand, I guess, in eventually, um, a publisher contacted me and said um, in London would you like to share your story because we've read a lot about you and you share about trauma and so on I was like yeah we'd love to Um later they had investigated me further and found the misappropriation as I've mentioned online where people misappropriate your videos and stuff and they 
they said, um, but you do have this avenue about you. People are going to misunderstand you. We're not sure if you want to say you share you. And I said, yeah, this is why I want to share my story because it has hurt immensely for people to misappropriate me and take my content and place it on inappropriate sites and then have the world tell me I am not a great person when I've done none of that and had nothing to do with that at all. I've just shared my content and the world has taken it and stripped me bare. And I said, I want to share this story because I'm not the only one this is occurring to. And I want to share the story because if I share this story, then my daughter has a better chance of a better social media world because the world of social media is our real world now too. It's not going to change. And so they heard that and then they were willing to write the story. And so I used a lot of like what I had shared and placed it into a book and it's not a self-help book and it's not a biography. It's an everything in between where I share about um, what I've experienced in life, how I interpret it, what kind of tools do I use every day continually because I'm healed and healing. I still have down days. I still have anxiety on some days that are stronger than others, but these tools help me. So I never go back to that place where I don't want to be here. And I think there's a lot of misconception between like a self-help where if I read this book, I'll be all better. Or I do this 30 day split program and I'll have the splits, but the reality is it's a lifestyle. And I wanted my, and I wanted my book to reflect that. I don't, I don't believe that anyone is healed. I don't believe anyone has it all together. I, I'm a very la-la land girl, but I'm very realistic about this. I believe that we all will struggle for the rest of our lives and life is the art of suffering well. So that means that once upon a time, I tried to take my life and now I don't try. I'm doing much better. I'm suffering much better than I used to in my capacities. Once upon a time, I could not feel music or taste food. Now I'm really enjoying it and I'm laughing and, and, and I'm having great days and a few bad days here and there but they don't, they don't take my whole life away anymore. So because the reality is life is like the seasons, right? We, we go through a period where one day it's all sunny and it's beautiful and we've come out the other side and then suddenly the dead things start falling off or maybe someone passes away and we go into this dormant darkness of grief and so on because life will do that. Our parents will pass or someone we love. And then one day some flowers bloom. Maybe we taste some food again. Maybe someone kind comes and lights our light. And then the summer comes again. And I believe it's so important to be realistic about it. So life is like the seasons and it's the art of suffering well through them. Oh, that's so beautiful. Thank you so much for it. That was such an amazing answer. And where can we find your book? Um, so it's uh, on Amazon and Watkins Publishing site are probably the best places. And I think, believe it, Barnes and Nobles and Audible as well. I wanted to just finish off with um, you giving us your best tools on how to stay aligned. So I do understand that we're not always 100% in alignment. Well, if mm -hmm. for, for anyone that may be, then that is great. But what are the things that you do to stay in alignment and to stay motivated and to keep being the best version of yourself? I think the most important thing that we as a tool can ever use is our habits. Um, so first, uh, we create those habits and then those habits create us. So if you create a habit of sleeping in as opposed to getting up and exercising, you're going to see the result of that. If you create a habit of getting up to exercise 
and not sleeping in, you're going to create a result of that. But at the same time, that equals a sacrifice for some people in their mindset. So then we have to look at it like regulation. We clean our teeth or um, brush our hair in a regulative place in our life. So we don't think, oh, damn it, I missed two minutes of social media because I'm brushing my teeth or whatever. We're just like, okay, teeth brushing, that's what we do. So we have to also create habits that are understanding that they're regulatory. And so it's like, I'm not missing out on anything that I'm training for half an hour because it is just a part of my life, like cleaning my teeth. So we have to understand that habits are not only um, a well-set routine, but they're also well-set in that they don't make you feel sacrificed. And then in turn, they help you to manage your bodily system, your hormones, your mind, your thought patterns, your interactions with people. So for me, the most important thing is like, um, and I was talking about this today, actually, is firstly, what do you want to achieve in life? Once you know what you want to achieve, what habits are aligning to it? And what habits are distracting from it? Okay, the habits that are distracting from it, micro shift them. So if you wanted to lose weight, okay, so just change your breakfast for a week. Get that into comfortability, regularity, and then the next week change a snack and then you've got two. It might take you six months to change your whole meal plan. It's not a 30-day program, mm. but in six months you won't feel sacrificed, you'll feel better, and you'll start to achieve your weight loss goals in regards to nutrition, right? So you're doing these micro shifts. So that's really important to understand. And at the same time, in your daily routines, you can have a yearly routine and you can have a monthly routine where, okay, every month I take myself out for a meal. But as long as the, you know, 80% of your routine is going towards your goal, you're going to have it. But on the counter to that, if you're holding a goal, like let's say that the social media is saying to every woman, they need a big booty. But not every genetical feature can have a big booty. And, and if we do those workouts, some of us are going to have knee injuries because our knees can't handle that much pressure. Therefore, is this a goal that you have set or did someone or some society message set that for you? If you didn't set that and some society message set that or someone set it for you, you need to relieve yourself of that expectation and find a goal that you want. Because sometimes what we're doing also is setting something that we don't want and shaming ourselves for something that we don't want and will never work for. So we also need to have a look at our goals as well to make sure that they're ours and they can change from year to year. I was a swimmer, I was a runner, I was a water polo player, I was a yogi, you know, they can change. So those are probably the two key important things. And then lastly, a big breath every now and again. <laughs> oh, amazing. And yes, we are all creatures of habits and our, and our habits define everything. They really, really do. Um, yeah. and I love how you are all about the longevity and the lifestyle. It's not an eight week program. It's no. how can we just make our lives better just forever, yeah. you know, exactly. so just maintaining and that, that micro shifting thing that you talked about Amazing. I, I totally agree with that. Cutting anything or changing anything cold turkey, like, you know, full on is just, mm -hmm. it's, it's a shock to the system. Yes. It, it's hard to maintain, but if you smoothly transition it into your lifestyle, 
that's the way that you're going to be able to maintain it. So thank you so much for that. You're welcome. Uh, and it's been such a pleasure to have you on my show as my first guest. Uh, <laughs> and you. can you just tell the audience where we can find you? Sure. Um, so I have RihannaWatson.com, which is my website. And then um, generally on Instagram, I have myself on Open Hearts Can Unite and YouTube. Um, and they're kind of my main platforms. And then you can go from there where you can find my book and other teaching areas um, to be able to find what, what resonates with you as a human. Oh, amazing. Thank you so much and enjoy the rest of your day, lovely. Thank you. Bye. Hey everyone, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Queens of Hustle podcast. As this is a passion project that I'm doing all by myself in my free time, it would mean the world to me if you would leave a review on the Apple Podcast app or on Spotify. Feel free to share this episode on your social media or send it to someone you know who'd benefit from listening to this. Have an amazing day or night wherever you are listening and I'll see you next time.